Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas. And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal. And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the PCOS Girls. I am Bridget and I am here with the lovely, beautiful, even more pregnant than last time, Mel. (laughs) How are you, Mel? I love your introductions. (laughs) Um, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm going for a pregnancy massage after this. You're extra good. You're just like, quickly get this done, girl, because I want to get to my massage. No, actually, we are both so pumped for today because today is Mm. our wrap-up episode for the year, which is so crazy. I can't believe this. It really is. It's actually episode 25, and I'm quite shocked that we've done 25 episodes. I said it to my husband. He was like, I thought you'd be on, like, episode 12. Well, I think we (laughs) thought that too. Like, it feels like that because I still feel like we still really, like, struggle every time we go to do this. We're like, (laughs) we're still so like, oh, how do we introduce our episode again? We're such newbies. <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll probably be doing this for like 10 years and we'll still be like, oh, what episode number is this? Oh yeah. man. What should anyway. we call it? What should we call it? <laughs> oh, we are so funny. But we are really excited about this one because basically for this one, what mm. we have done is gone to you guys and said, give us all your listener questions. What do you want us mm-hmm. to answer? And we've got majority of them are PCOS hormone based, but then there's a couple of like more random ones, you know, personal ones, stuff like that. And they're pretty straightforward, fun ones that we're going to answer and just sort of our take on your question. So obviously, again, we're not doctors. We are just mm-hmm. women who have PCOS and who have done a lot of study and research into our own bodies and things that have helped us. So these are mm-hmm. basically going to be based on that. It's our own experience. But then there's also some things where obviously we we just know a lot about now because <laughs> we do a lot of research. Yes. <laughs> we definitely talk about it a lot. <laughs> definitely talk about it way too much, but we love it, which is why we created an entire podcast about it. <laughs> and we're 25 episodes in. Oh, my gosh, wild. And planning a second season. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, like, kicking that one off with a bang because we've got we some are. pretty exciting guests for next season, which is amazing. Ooh. So we cannot wait to share that with you guys. I love having secrets. I love having secrets too. It's so fun and mysterious yeah. and I just feel like it makes me want to keep going. It Like, it holds me accountable yeah. to, like, have to keep doing things. Because <laughs> yes. I'm like, well, I said there's something coming now, so I've got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So should we, kick should it we off? dive in? Yeah. Do you want to start? All right. All right. First question. How to get your period back after pregnancy? Mm-hmm. So I feel like we've both got a bit of experience with this. Totally. I can start if you yeah, like. Yeah, go for it. So I was just like rolling with it, you know, yeah. just 
because I was breastfeeding and so that can um, just change all those hormones so that you don't ovulate and you don't get your period. And um, I was happy about that. And then at about after, oh, it was 12 months, so a year had passed and I just started to wonder like, okay, is this still that, like Mm. the breastfeeding factor because I'm still breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or is my PCOS at play? And I I guess I didn't, I, I wanted that answer, sorry, I wanted that question answered. So I um, ended up going to a Chinese medicine doctor and they gave me some acupuncture and about three days later I got my period. Wow. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, have I just rushed things? (laughs) What was it? I still didn't really get my answer, but I did get my period back and and then I continued to have my period after that. So Interesting. um, Yeah, I was actually 13 months postpartum. Yeah, wow. um, yeah, I used acupuncture, I guess you could say, to get my period back. Um, but it was kind of like, I don't know if I should have. <laughs> no, I, well, I think your period would only come if you were ready for it to come, right? And sometimes so. it's it needs a little oh. needs a little kickstart, but otherwise, it would. I don't think it would just start without it. So that's, I mean, that's my personal view on I that. Like but that I opinion. think, <laughs> I think every, I think every, for every person who's had a baby and is postpartum, it's going to be different. So mm. I wouldn't worry too much if you're different to your friend who got their period back straight away or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're breastfeeding, it is really, really going to be dependent on your body. So yeah, if you're still breastfeeding, I would like you did Mel sort of maybe look into it after a certain amount of time if it's starting to worry you. But I would say like for me, I got my period back after 10 months and I was still mm-hmm. breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And basically for me, I treated it as though I treated it with my PCOS was just doing all those things that I would usually do just to help nourish my body. So good food, you know, lots of nourishing foods, good fats, all that kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. herbs, or, you know, reducing stress, all of that stuff is really, really important. Now, if you weren't breastfeeding, this is where it becomes a little bit more straightforward because usually your menstrual cycle will return, I guess, six to eight weeks after you've had birth. It can be different. It can be longer than that. I would say if it's if so, sort of gone like three to four months and you still haven't got it, you might might want to look into it a bit more because generally speaking, you probably would have had it back by then. Yeah, totally. Good point. And I think from memory, the person who asked this question was breastfeeding and they were saying, should I stop breastfeeding so that I can get my period back? Because they actually wanted to conceive again. Yeah. See, that's where Um, it gets tricky, huh? It is tricky. Yeah. I can't answer that. Doing that might bring your period back, Mm. you know, but I continued to breastfeed and acupuncture brought my period back. So I was able to conceive from then on. So yep. maybe explore some options before, if you want to keep breastfeeding, then Absolutely. Um, explore some options. I think she also asked if she can tandem feed and the answer is yes. Absolutely. You, 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 um, yeah, I mean, you were yeah. about to do that, weren't you? You should actually <laughs> look it up online and have a look at how amazing it is. Like I, I, I wasn't up for it, but so many women do it and they put like, um, you know, their baby on one boob and their toddler or whatever on the other other boob and it creates two different types of milk for them. Insane. It's actually so amazing. That's so insane. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> the short answer to that is everyone is different. So yes. don't stress out if you're not hitting those timelines that, you know, you might have thought were the normal timelines or whatever. If you're worried, maybe go get your hormones tested, maybe speak to someone mm-hmm. about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, good on you for, for looking into it and I hope yeah. that you can um, – Find a good solution. Yeah. <laughs> Get those periods All right. back. All right. Next question. Tips on staying positive when nothing is going your way and mm. you're losing hope. Such a good question. Such a deep question. Yes. <laughs> well, what, like, I'll start with this one. Yeah. I think for, for me, because I was 
really in a dark hole for a while with my PCOS. Mm -hmm. I just, I think what happened was I became so fixated on it. Like I was so fixated on my PCOS Mm -hmm. and then I became so fixated on the fact that I probably wasn't going to be able to have my own child and conceive naturally. And it just, it overwhelmed me and it sort of started to define me a little bit. And I just think like, you've got to, to stay positive, you've just got to find that something else in your life that's going to keep you going. So like for me, it was, okay, I'm stressed. Like what can I do to to stop being, you know, to bring those little bits of joy back into my life again? So it was like going back to yoga, which I've stopped doing. It was putting my phone down when I go for a walk and just being like in those moments, being around people that were made me feel positive and didn't make me feel self-conscious about my skin or my hair or whatever else I was going through at that time. And that mm. for me was like a really, really big thing. Mm, that's really nice advice too. I think um, as kind of in the same vein as that, I think doing some things, you know, for your PCOS that don't really require effort yes. are really nice, like just enjoyable, like you're saying. Um, for me, like massage comes to mind, like, you know, massage can be so nice for PCOS, but you don't really have to do anything except book the appointment and it just feels good. Yeah, yeah. Um, And there's all different types of massage you can get that are good, like, from fertility massage to lymphatic drainage, reflexology, which isn't exactly massage, but, you know, there's different things you can do like that and it's just it's makes you feel good and it's easy but also you can be like, cool, like I'm still, you know, thinking about my health in a nice way. Mm. So I think that that's helped me whenever I've had those times where I'm just like, oh, like I'm just so over putting in all this effort and nothing's happening. Yeah. For me, just just putting myself in someone else's hands and doing something really simple has helped me. Totally. Um, but if you, you know, want to do something that's a bit more kind of proactive, I guess, and still really focused on your health, um, I'd also just look at what you've been taking and how long you've been taking it. You know, I, I hear from a lot of women who you know, they're really struggling with staying positive and nothing's going their way and they're losing hope and they've been taking the same medicine for two years. Mm. And so I think in that case it might just be time for a shake-up, you know, like either go to your health practitioner and say, look, like what we're doing isn't working, I'm losing hope, we need a new direction or even check out another modality if you've been seeing a naturopath and you know, it's just been going on for ages and nothing's changing. Maybe have a look at Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or functional medicine. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I was going to say look for alternatives, look for different ways you can be doing things. Don't compare yourself to other people. That's the worst thing you could possibly Mm. do. Take inspiration from people 100%. That's that's an amazing thing to do, but don't compare yourself to people. Don't, Don't try and just because something's working for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. And, and that's okay. That's totally fine. But just find those little bits in your day that are going to bring you joy and try not to fixate on things so much that it, it starts to bring you down. Like fixate. So for me, I fixated on like, I was really fixated on all my symptoms, like how bad they were. But I turned mm-hmm. that around and started to think about things more like, hey, I'm going to like learn how to cook really healthy things that are going to, you know, help mm. me to manage my symptoms. And I started to fall in love with cooking and baking again. And I started to fall in love with doing yoga again and being, you know, just doing simple things like grounding and all that kind of that those smaller things really brought a lot of joy back into my life. And that really... Yeah. 
I obviously still had PCOS, but I stopped being, I felt like I was so defined by it. And that was my own doing. Yep. No one else. And I you were so really focused knew. on the negative things. And then yes. you switched it around, you focused on these positive things. That's and I think really that happens nice. heats with fertility as well. Like when you're mm. struggling with fertility, yes. which is so understandable, but you become yep. fixated on it. And every day mm-hmm. is like, where am I? Am I in my cycle? When am I ovulating? Like when can, and you lose that love for, mm. I guess, try, you know, you may be falling pregnant with your partner and those intimate moments. Mm and it becomes a very timed thing and maybe take a step back, maybe go on a little vacay and not worry about it. Mm. Like I fell pregnant on holidays and I think that that mm. tells a lot of, about my story and how stress was mm. implicating me as well. So, yeah, yeah, those little things And maybe practising gratitude can help there mm-hmm. as well. Like Because yep. it is when you're in when you're trying to conceive or you've gone through some loss, it's, oh, it's just, there's almost nothing anyone can say or do to kind of get you out of it or out of it. But yeah. if you do try to practice some gratitude, just think of a couple of things each day that are actually great in your life and you will find them. Oh yeah. Um, you will find it can, them. It can just change your day. You know, it Absolutely. might not change the big picture until you look back at it, but it can, it can turn your day around. Um, the next question made us laugh. <laughs> <laughs> We got asked if, um, have you guys hung out in person? <laughs> we just want to know the intention behind yeah, we this were question. Like, Why? Did, what, where did that even come from? But the answer yes. is yes, we have. Yes. But the funnier answer is yes, once. Once, I know, which is like the weirdest thing because we feel like we've known each other for so long. Um, yeah. but, and we, and it was after we'd started recording the podcast as well. So yeah. it wasn't like we were these, you know, buddy buddies hang out all the time and then decided to record a podcast. Like, we sort of no. connected on Instagram and you asked me if I wanted to do a podcast with you and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> God, I picked well. It worked out. It worked out so well. Now, t- like a bit of disclaimer, the reason we don't hang out all the time is because we live in completely separate states now and we yes. don't – We and even when we lived both in New South Wales, we lived hours, like how many hours yeah. were we from each other? Uh, eight hours Eight away. hours, so very far yeah. from each other. But that doesn't mean that we we talk all the time and we just, if we lived closer, we would definitely hang out a lot, I would (laughs) say. But yeah, we uh, we have hung out for that person who asked. (laughs) Yes. And actually, there's been two other times where we've almost hung out and COVID has foiled our plans. Yeah. And we had so many good plans for this year, can I say? (laughs) Did we not? Like, how good was this year going to be for us? (laughs) Yeah, we had um, some pretty big things planned, but... Alas, it'll come. It'll come when it's <laughs> meant to happen. Okay, how old are we? I am well, dirty 30. Yeah. You're 30? <laughs> I'm 30. Dirty 30. Yeah. I'm 33, which I love because 33 is my favourite number. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not that anyone asked that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that you told us that. Um, yeah, so 33, that is that is actually mm. a very nice number, isn't it? I feel like isn't it? Yeah. It's just great. I, I actually just like the number three, so the more of them So the when better. you're 333, so. that's going to be like it's your best fantastic. year ever. Yeah. yeah it's just great. <laughs> I've got this thing with seeing like 3.33 a.m. or p.m., like the time, and um, if it's 3.33 and I see it and I'm with Matt, he has to kiss me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Matt. I can't believe I just told you guys that. <laughs> I, Matt is going to die a little bit that you just told us. <laughs> but that is also very cute. Uh, I do <laughs> it's like that. because it's my luckiest minute of the day, how so I have to get lucky. How often does that happen to you? <laughs> like, how often do you actually look at your phone and see that it's 3.33? Not as much as I'd like. <laughs> right. 
your I don't know. smooches. Because the only reason I ask is because I have been looking at my phone for the last, I would say, five days. And mm-hmm. every time I look at it, well, not every time, but when I've looked at it, it's 11 11. Oh, it's happening to you. It's happening to me. I'm like, this is a sign. Something amazing is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a thing. Everyone everyone sees 11-11 a lot, right? Yeah, I know. Well, you just made me feel not very superior about oh. things. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I really took that away from you. <laughs> All right, I just on. know there was this song released like a year ago called 11-11 and Really? It was all about looking at the clock and oh, seeing 11 11. God, I think I thought anyway. I was special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, but no. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm changing the subject then because you've just okay, thrown that one for me. Contraception. <laughs> what are our thoughts? Mm. What are we? I mean, well, I can't even remember what the question was. I just wrote contraception. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was contraception that will help me avoid the pill. Ah, uh, so, yes. Yes. Okay. I've simplified these questions a bit, but um, the listener was really just long. really wanting to avoid the pill, but, you know, obviously wanting to use some kind of contraception. So, mm-hmm. yes. So I'm a big fan of fertility awareness method. That is yeah. my go-to. That's the one that I use pretty much all the time. So that is, mm-hmm. a, we've talked, we've talked about this, right? Yeah, yeah. we definitely I have. think in the, even the last episode, maybe, oh no, it mustn't have been, it might've been the one before. I feel like we've talked about it multiple times, but it's essentially yeah. looking at um, like bodily functions that are going on to tell you where you are in your cycle. So that can be cervical mucus, it can be your basal body temperature, and it can be the position mm-hmm. of your cervix. So there's it's yeah. a few different things you can look at there. So, and really, once you get to know that, you have a very, very good picture of your own cycle and where you are in it. And that is a great way to be able to avoid pregnancy mm-hmm. or tr- when you're trying for, to fall pregnant. So, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you have to be very good at this. And like, if you're avoiding pregnancy again, you have to be really on the ball here. But it's, I mean, I find it so easy now. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Essentially, it's about knowing when you ovulated. Exactly right. Because then after ovulated, that, yeah. <laughs> between then and when you get your period, you can't get pregnant. Exactly. So, so you're good to go. It's about being comfortable with that knowledge and knowing your body well enough to know, okay, I've ovulated. Or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And so once you get to know that, you you can really pick your timings of when you do or don't want to have intercourse. Um, the other thing mm-hmm. that I always use, which I know not everyone is a fan of, but if if I think I might be in that fertile stage, um, mm-hmm. we would just use non-toxic condoms. And I know not yeah. everyone likes condoms, but it is a really easy way <laughs> to avoid pregnancy. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> it was on my list. <laughs> Did you have anything um, else? Well, I just was thinking about, I know some women aren't interested in either of those options. They want something more long-term and they're looking at all their different hormonal contraceptives. And so I was just looking at the best option of those and it's it seems to definitely be the copper Mm. IUD, which Mm -hmm. actually isn't a hormonal contraceptive. It's like a device that is inserted um, into your uterus. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't don't know where it ends up, (laughs) to be honest with you. Do you know? I thought it sort of went up your cervix and then yeah. just sort of sat up the top there, but I really have no idea because yeah. I've never had it. <laughs> yeah, neither. But basically it works um, like a spermicide. Yes. It kills sperm. So it's it, it stops the sperm from reaching the egg. So you still ovulate. It doesn't affect you hormonally. So in terms of, you know, trying to care about hormonal health, it definitely is the best Op, like more long-term option yeah, non-hormon- out there. Yeah, non-hormonal, can't even speak, non-hormonal <laughs> like way to manage your 
hormones basically <laughs> they're not hormones. yes but it also <laughs> has no cons you know yeah. like no no it made sense you know it's not perfect um i mean it it actually the success rate of it is amazing um it's pretty much more effective than almost any other method of contraception it has a failure rate of 0.6 percent um but it also it can be painful to be inserted you might have cramping for a good month after or even like even up to 12 months, mm. um, your periods will probably be heavier, bad for the um, vaginal microbiome. Mm-hmm. It can cause like a fishy smelling vaginal discharge, which not many of us really want. Not ideal. <laughs> um, it, might, it, might, uh, it might come out. It can cause pelvic inflammatory disease. There's a small risk of uterine perforation. You know, it's definitely... Yeah. It's it's definitely it's a, a serious consideration. It's not an easy choice to make. You should really definitely read about it. And I think anything um, that you're any foreign object that you're putting into your body, you have yeah. to really consider is this right for you. Yes, absolutely. I personally wouldn't do it, but that's because I'm really comfortable using condoms and the fertility awareness yeah. method. So it just I'm I I don't want for more than that. Yeah. So and it's because yeah. it's made out of copper. So the copper is is what you said. It's mm. like a natural spermicide. So it basically makes that area. I'm assuming it just makes it sort of non-inhabitable for sperm to go in there and that so essentially you mm. can't fall pregnant. So it is, yeah, again, a good one if you don't want to be taking the hormonal contraceptive or the hormonal IUD or, or like, no, is it? Yeah, is that right? Is that what they're called? Just completely have uh, my mind yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just look into it, speak speak to whoever it is that would be doing it for you, find out if it's right for you. The other thing mm-hmm. that I saw the other day which terrified me was that I'd seen that um, a lot of women have had it and then it's moved around and it's ended up oh. in really awful, weird, bizarre places, like super far up into their body and then it's been like a full operation to have to get it out. And I was like, whoa, that looks That's terrifying. scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, not to scare anyone off, but do your research. No. But, but to be informed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Sisterhood Tea. Hi, guys, it's Bridget Warren, the founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood Tea. Sisterhood Tea is a powerful blend of herbs that has been specifically created by me to help other women like me who may be experiencing the many frustrating symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances, which affect so many women. Every ingredient in Sisterhood is 100% natural and has a purpose. And most importantly, the ratio of each herb has been carefully weighed out to ensure the perfect amount is added into each bag to make it an easy and accessible way for you to manage your symptoms every day. And don't worry, I promise it tastes nice too. Sisterhood tea is a powerful holistic alternative and is suitable for all women, but has been specifically designed to help support women who may be experiencing symptoms of PCOS and other hormonal imbalances, women who've been on the contraceptive pill or are coming off the contraceptive pill, problematic skin conditions such as acne and dermatitis, fertility issues, weight management, hair loss and hirsutism, moodiness, bloating and menstrual cramps, and of course, regulating the menstrual cycle. Sisterhood tea is 100% natural, organically grown where possible, vegan, and hand-blended and packaged in Australia. The results and hundreds of testimonials for Sisterhood tea are honestly just incredible. And some of the most inspiring stories include clearing up stubborn acne, growing back hair loss, regulating their period, 
and even successful pregnancies after years of trying everything else. We call them our little sisterhood babies. So if you want to find out more about Sisterhood Tea or read some more of the amazing testimonials, head over to PCOS2Wellness.com where I ship worldwide. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, is there a difference between polycystic ovaries and PCOS? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> they are. That's the short answer. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is obviously, as we know, a metabolic condition or hormonal condition. Like we know it's a, it's a full-on thing. Like it's not, it's not a small condition. Like there's a lot of different things that go into that. But essentially you'll get mm-hmm. all those other symptoms that we've talked about many, many times on this what's this thing called a podcast um (laughs) ovarian cysts are basically sacs that are filled with fluid and they are in your ovaries so that's all they are they're super common and many women can have them um, particularly when you're more in puberty stages but even later on in life like most women will have some sort of cysts in there and they are completely harmless and won't cause any issues majority of the time. Some women, for whatever reason, will get cysts that are a bit more sinister and they might either cause pain or um, you hear of women saying like they had a cyst burst. You know how you hear women say mm-hmm. that? Like that's yes. when that happens. Um, and that can just be like there, there's many different things that might, reasons that might happen and no one really knows. But majority of the time if you've got them, there's nothing to worry about. It's only if they look strange, you know, on an ultrasound or they're causing you pain or um, it's also depending on whether or not you've been through menopause. I'm not really sure why, but apparently that's another thing that they look at as well. So if mm. you have cysts and they're, you know, or you're having any reason to believe you have cysts that are causing you pain or whatever, definitely go and get it looked at because there are procedures that they can do to remove them. And, you know, it's really good to check these things because majority of them are harmless, like completely fine. Mm-hmm. But some of them mm-hmm. can be a bit more sinister or they might be, you know, we've heard of cancerous cysts and things like that. So definitely worth looking yep. into. But if you get an ultrasound and you're told you have polycystic ovaries, yes, um, it's not the same. That's not that's not something to be scared of in terms of you're going to have these massive cysts. That's just follicles that have. Um, it's basically too many follicles forming at the same time, and none of them kind of winning that race to ovulation, and them just sort of sitting there. But it doesn't mean you have PCOS. You only get that diagnosis when in combination with either hyperandrogenism and, you know, uh, long cycles. Or irregular or cycles, cycles, yeah, absent yeah, cycles. Yeah, irregular cycles, yeah. I should say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at the same time, you can have PCOS and not have polycystic ovaries. But if you have polycystic ovaries but not PCOS, it can be indicative of a hormonal imbalance. It just doesn't necessarily mean you have PCOS. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right, hopefully that All answers right. that question. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> All right, how did Bridget grow her hair back? Um, this, <laughs> listener's, <laughs> this listener's hair has been falling out since they came off the pill, which I, from memory was about six months ago. Okay. So, I mean, first of all, we have done an entire episode on this, so I would really mm. urge that person to go and listen to that episode because I did go into that in quite a good depth, I think. So hopefully there's yeah. a lot of more helpful tips on there. But just briefly, like the reason I was experiencing hair loss was because my androgens were too high. Like that is the very short, simple answer to that. So I mm-hmm. had to lower them. 
And I did that through many different things, whether that be through regulating my blood sugar levels so my insulin levels were balanced. I had to reduce anything that was causing me inflammation. So whether that was in my diet or the products I was using, so removing all toxic products, replacing them with non-toxic products, even things like shampoo and conditioner. What else did I do? Obviously, herbs was a massive one for me, and that was pretty much one of the biggest reasons I created Sisterhood Tea was because I wanted to be able to get um, herbs in there that actually were proven to help lower androgens, but also other herbs in there that were really good for detoxification um, and overall hormone balance. Because if your testosterone's out, it's highly likely that your other hormones are probably out to some degree as well. Um, what else did I do? Reducing stress. Stress is a massive one. Mm, if you I remember you yes, saying that was a big part, such of it a big for you. part of it. So really look into what could be causing you stress. And that could be maybe you're over-exercising, maybe you're under-eating, maybe you have a really stressful job. Like all of those things are really important. Look at nutritional deficiencies. Make sure you're getting plenty of good fats and proteins. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're really broad, I know, but that's the places that you need to start. And then if you mm. want to look at like if you, for example, if your hair's sort of breaking off or you're trying to like just slow slow it down a little bit, you might want to look at things like a silk pillowcase or um, silk hair ties rather than really aggressive hair ties that are going to snap and break your hair off. And obviously that's a much more superficial level and that's not addressing the issue, but that that's also something mm. that you might want to do just in the interim whilst you're working on everything else. Yeah, that's still a really great tip. Okay, next question. Where do I start? What is the first step? <laughs> I get asked this all the time. Do you? Yeah, all the time. It's like <laughs> it's such a fair question. It's such it's a great so question to ask, but then you're like, yeah. I don't really know. Like it's so hard. I mean, we do. We don't have answers for this, so I'll yeah. Let, we've thought I'll about it go. a lot. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I've I've thought about this so much because I get asked it so much, and um, for me, um, the first step is to go and get a blood test of your hormones. And um, you'll need to go to your GP for that. Um, but then to actually get those results and then take them to a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor and have them interpret them for you simply because um, in my experience, and I know yours as well, they just look at those results on such a deeper level. A doctor just looks for if it's written in red and it's outside of the, the range or not, whereas a naturopath will notice that it's edging towards the top end or edging towards the bottom end or in combination of, you know, this being a bit high and this being a bit low, it means this. And it's just, in my experience, it's just been so much more of a detailed reaction to my results and then from there creating a plan to move forward. But even if you don't want to continue seeing a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor, even just to go there to get those test results interpreted, I think that's just so valuable. And the reason is that we're all different, you know, like some of us don't have high testosterone. Some of us have high estrogen, some have low estrogen. And if we all just didn't know what our own hormonal imbalance was, we would just be trying all these different medicines that would never do anything for us because they don't have anything to do with our specific hormonal imbalance. So finding out what your hormonal imbalance I think is just key. I just think it's the very first thing that you need to do. And then you can find, you can treat your hormonal imbalance and move forward. So yes. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. No, you're so passionate. (laughs) You've obviously uh, reeled that off a few times. (laughs) No, it's very true. I mean, that's exactly how I started my journey was I got my results, demanded them, cried for them, begged for them, Mm -hmm. um, took them to a naturopath and had her read them and was obviously 
you know, given completely different information to what my doctor gave me. However, in saying that, some people might have really great doctors that actually yes. will interpret them really well for you. So yeah. we're obviously saying that because that's our own experience, but you might have a fantastic mm-hmm. doctor. But yeah, I think that's a great place to start. I think get your hormones tested, get someone to interpret them and then come up with a plan. And then my only other advice would be if you're looking for really simple things to start Find something that you can do that you know you can do regularly, consistently, really small thing, and then you can work on everything else from there. So whether that is committing to going for a 30-minute walk a day, and that's not just necessarily for physical health, but also for your mental health, you know, to have a break, whether it's committing to having a cup of, you know, your, your herbs a day, like a herbal tea that, that, you know, that's going to help you like a, not just obviously chamomile tea is great, but like I'm talking like a medicinal herbal tea or something that mm-hmm. you've been able to do, but every day, like all consistently, because these little things that you do all add up. Maybe it's yeah. looking through all your makeup and seeing what in there you can throw away because it's toxic and you know you can get a better, more natural version of it. Like these are all really, really simple things that you can do um, just to start somewhere. And I feel like sometimes you just need a starting place. I mean, to kickstart it, feel good about it, and then everything else falls into place. Like you start doing things with your diet and your lifestyle and then you start to see the results. And so then you want to keep going. So it's this little cycle that you've got to start, but then once you're in it, you're kind of on, you're on it and you're on that wheel and you're spinning it and you get the momentum and it's like, it's much easier to keep going once you're, you're sort of already on that bandwagon. Absolutely. That's so, so true. It motivate you motivate yourself. Totally. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> um, hope that answers that question. All right. Can I put sweetener in sisterhood tea? It's mm. for you. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you can do whatever you like. It's your body, your rules. You could do what you want. I personally don't. One, because I actually really like the taste of it. So that's something I worked really hard on was making sure it was palatable because I know there are a lot of medicinal herbal teas mm-hmm. out there that taste like crap. I know from experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted it to be something that I would have every day. And so it does taste, I think it tastes quite nice. Um, do you think I it love is it. Nice? Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, I love it. Someone other than me. <laughs> I mean, I'm a herbal tea drinker. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't add sweetener to... I don't drink black tea, but I don't add sweetener to any herbal tea I have anyway. But I honestly love the taste of sisterhood. And I actually give sisterhood to friends when they come over, they ask for it. Aww, <laughs> like friends who don't have PCOS, they're like, you. oh, can I have some of that sisterhood hormone tea? Totally. And like, <laughs> and, that's, and they think, love it. Yeah. And I, I even like Jesse, who clearly doesn't have PCOS or any hormonal imbalances, uh, but he <laughs> loves it and drinks it. And Mm-hmm. He likes the flavor and he doesn't like herbal tea. So I'm like, well, that's a pretty good for me. That's a good that's, indication that it tastes okay. Good. However, in saying that, um, I do have a lot of women ask me this and I will say if you want to add a sweetener, like maybe opt for a raw organic honey, a really small amount because, again, any sweeteners, they are going to spike your insulin levels. So it really depends on where you're at in your journey and what you want to do with your body. But just be aware of any sweetener is going to have the same effect as a sugar. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. But, yeah, you're free to do whatever you want, really. You're gonna feel like it's not going to affect the benefits of it other than the fact that it could throw out your sugar levels, which may then cause – you know, that cycle again. But if it's a small amount, I don't see it being an Mm. issue. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, The next question is, what are the reasons for having little or no cervical fluid or cervical mucus? 
Mm. Mm. Okay, so for me personally, I have experienced this and it ended up being because of low estrogen. And once I addressed my estrogen issues, um, it totally turned around. That was all that was going on. That was also what was stopping me from ovulating regularly. So that's that's my experience with it. Have you experienced this before? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've experienced it twice um, in for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So the okay. first one being when I was on the contraceptive pill and I didn't realise for many years that it affected to like essentially shut down your hormones. So I didn't have Mm. any cervical, well, very small amounts of cervical mucus for years because just that's just what happens. Some women will still get a bit and I still got a little bit, but I certainly didn't have it as in that sort of cycle that you see it go through. So if Mm -hmm. you're on the pill, that's probably the reason why. However, Mm -hmm. the other time I had it was when I was off the pill and I was trying to get my cycles back and, you know, it took me months and months and months and it's because I wasn't ovulating. So a lot of the Mm -hmm. time I would say is if you aren't seeing that cervical mucus coming through, particularly that fertile cervical mucus, it's probably because you're not ovulating and then you need to look into why that might be the case. Cool. All right. Next question. What is the plant-based supplement for progesterone? Oh yeah. I think they were asking because they'd heard it on the podcast, (laughs) but they couldn't remember what I'd said or something. So I'm not positive about what they're referring to because I've referred to two different things. Mm So when I've been pregnant and I've needed progesterone and I've gotten a prescription from my doctor, um, that's for like a plant-based bioidentical progesterone pessary. The brand that I I got, but I feel like there's probably a bunch of different brands, but the brand I had was Ultragestin. But your doctor can prescribe progesterone that is synthetic. So definitely if you're wanting it to be natural, just make sure that that's what they're giving you. I've never heard of them giving a synthetic one in pregnancy, but they might, I don't know. So definitely have a chat to them about that. Or it could be that you're thinking of me mentioning wild yam extract, Mm. wild yam liquid extract. So this is a bit of a weird one. So I... I've taken this for a long time, like not now, but I was definitely taking it pre-pregnancy this time around for months and months. And that was from my functional medicine doctor telling me to do that to support my progesterone levels. But I have to say last night when I was prepping for this episode, I went online to just have a look at like the research and I, it wasn't there. Right. <laughs> it really wasn't there. So that that doesn't mean it's not doing it. Yeah. But- uh, you know, I, I don't know how substantiated that is. I don't want to make any claims that that really truly works. But but that wouldn't I be mean, a, I mean, that that's not going to cause any issues if you do have it right and it does nothing. A while yeah, ex- is it? I mean, yeah, I don't ex- know. I, well, I guess we can't know. But yeah. um, I just want to say that, you know, it's not, it's not been proven as far as I can see sure. to raise progesterone levels. But my functional medicine doctor, who I really trust, is you know, told me to do it and yeah. I did it. So <laughs> where do you get that from? Um, pardon. Um, I got it online from iHerb.com. Oh yeah. Yeah. iHerb. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little, it's a tincture. So, oh, okay. you know, it's a little liquid extract that you add to water. Okay. Lots of people get wild yam extract as a cream. And even, yeah, last night when I was trying to find this, I I did find stuff about the cream that was saying that it did nothing, that it wasn't proven to have done anything. I'm like, well, maybe the liquid extract that you drink is different. I I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Oh, well, that's good. You've answered the question (laughs) at least. But I know that um, I, I... 
you know, I was definitely thinking that it was working. Yeah. <laughs> My cycle was really nice and regular and and it turned out that I didn't have low progesterone when I started this pregnancy, unlike my previous pregnancy. So Something was know. working. We'll never Maybe. know. But it's also <laughs> like with a lot of natural medicine and, you know, anything in that realm, there isn't a lot of research. So, so some things have been used for thousands and thousands of years, mm-hmm. mom, and uh, like, and obviously do something or else we wouldn't still be doing yes. it. But unfortunately, there just hasn't been any studies or research gone into it. So That's right. take it, take some things with a grain of salt and decide mm-hmm. for yourself, you know, if you want to try it, obviously speak to you. Yours was prescribed to you or Pardon. was it prescribed to you or was it like you didn't just take it out of, you said your functional medicine My doctor. functional yeah. medicine doctor told me to take it, but sure. like you don't need a prescription no. for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. Oh, what is the reason for a short cycle? So I believe this listener, they had a normal cycle usually of like 30 days and then suddenly it was dropping down to 20 days. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take it or shall no, I start? No, you, you can start, whatever. Okay, I'll start. Um, okay. <laughs> so with a short cycle, it can mean that you have a short luteal phase, which is the time between ovulation and and getting your period. So usually that's about 12 to 14 days, but it can be as long as 11 to 17 days, that time period between ovulation and the first day of your period. So if you're finding that you're ovulating, but then you're getting your period sort of less than maybe 11 days after that, then you might be looking at a short luteal phase. And it could could mean that you have... Um, this condition called luteal phase defect, which is where the ovary is producing um, less progesterone progesterone than usual or that the uterine lining isn't growing in response to the progesterone like it should. The other reason that I found that can cause a short cycle is basically what we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the episode, which is that you're just not ovulating at all. There's no, like it's an anovulatory cycle. So you can find this out by, I think the best way (laughs) to find this out is by um, testing your basal body temperature and seeing if you're finding that there's a time that it seems that you are ovulated and then the temperature's risen and, you know, which indicates that you have ovulated and you're producing more progesterone and it's stayed high until you get your period. If you're finding that your temperature isn't rising at all in your cycle and then you're getting a period, it could be that you didn't ovulate. So either way, if you're having a short cycle, 100% recommend you go and see your doctor and, and and figure out why. Yeah, and the only other thing that I would say there is obviously as you get older, your menstrual cycle can shorten as well, and that's purely because the number of eggs available in your ovary decrease, and so the brain releases more follicle-stimulating hormone, which basically tries to develop the follicles faster, and that, uh, I guess, mm. results in a shorter cycle as well. So something to keep in mind if you are, I guess, getting a bit older and, and wondering why your cycles might be doing that. I never that. knew that. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Yeah, it's really interesting. (laughs) All right. I think we've probably got time for one more question. Mm -hmm. Um, So is low estrogen a reason for not falling pregnant? Well, in my experience, yes. I was going to say, you can Um, take this one. You've been there. Yeah, it can can prevent you from ovulating. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard to know what your specific situation is, whoever is asking this, but, you know, if you're 
having irregular cycles and you have low estrogen, then that can definitely be a reason for your irregular cycles and so struggling to ovulate and therefore struggling to conceive. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd even go as far as to say sort of any hormonal imbalance could affect your chances of conceiving. So, so, so true. Just, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that you might know that it's estrogen is really helpful for you because you can start to work on that straight away. Yes, so helpful. Cool. Yay! We actually got so we many got questions so from. Many. We didn't yeah, think we, we were did. Gonna, we were like, and that was obviously the short list of the short list of the short list. You went. Yes. Paul Bell had to like sit there and cull through them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we got so many questions from you guys, which was really awesome. We loved receiving the questions. Yeah, it was just, thank you. Guys. It was exciting for us. Yeah, um, and we'll definitely do more of these episodes because we've got heaps of questions to answer. So definitely expect another episode like this next year. Mm. And yeah, thanks for sending them in and just thanks for being a part of our podcast community this year. It's been really fun. So fun. And like realistically, the only reason we're sort of going to take a little break now is because you're going to go have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So we thought we'll give you some time off, fun, (laughs) give the girl a break. But we will be back. We've got to work out the logistics of how we're going to do it. But we can do it. We know we can do it. We've just got to work Mm -hmm. it out. And we can't wait. We've already got so much planned for next season. Like it's it's going to be epic. Like I'm genuinely really excited. (laughs) Yeah. Let us put it this way. When we first started the podcast, we had this like um, (laughs) – this goal of this guest, we were like, this would be the pinnacle. If we can get this guest on our podcast, that will be the best. And we have. We have. It's very exciting. I mean, we haven't actually recorded yet, Mel, so we probably shouldn't like jinx ourselves. (laughs) Oh my God. Imagine that. We're just going to have to like change who we we wanted if that happens and be like, yeah, this is who we always wanted. This is who it was. such a blast and yeah. I think next year as well what we're going to do is really focus more on like the listener questions so um mm. because we realize that's really what you guys want us to do is just sort of exactly. talk more about what you're going through which makes so much sense so yes. keep sending your <laughs> questions through um we've got mm. the Facebook community group which I always forget what it's called what is it called again um the PCOS girls podcast community podcast community <laughs> I knew it was like something about a community but I can't remember what it was anyway so jump on there leave questions there otherwise um Instagram DM us either our individual accounts or the PCOS girls um account because we check both of those obviously and Mm -hmm. yeah we can't wait I'm so excited thank you Mel for the most epic year I've just had the best time with you and I'm Mm -hmm. just can't wait to do the next season with you too I feel the same way thank you and thank you to you and and all our listeners for being so supportive on my pregnancy journey like what a year to start a podcast what a year <laughs> um yeah like Do you know, what's you so know i've had funny so many thinking. ups and downs and you guys um yeah you've really been there for me Aww, so thank you but it's been so cool <laughs> to like be a part of that journey and i think a lot of women who are going through what we go through like it's such an inspirational thing to see and to to hear your own experiences and like when we started this podcast as well flynn was a newborn still so yeah it's crazy to think like how we have just our journeys have changed so much and hopefully you guys can see that like there's so many things that can be we can be doing and supporting each other and so many different like types of stories that we all have and we love sharing that so hopefully we can how much can change in a year it's wild well especially this year it's just yeah well particularly bad it's been a year since the bushfire by the way since my house burnt down 
we just so cel- crazy. I don't want to say celebrated, but we just like had the anniversary yeah. of one year and it's like, wow, what a year. What a year. So much has changed. Gosh, that's <laughs> wild. I know. That is so wild. Well, hopefully next year as well our podcast will be recorded a bit more like real time because we were in the mm. beginning we sort of um we had big delays and then it would be released and it would be seem like we recorded it five years ago. <laughs> Just yes. what we're talking about. But anyway, <laughs> it's been a ball. Thank you, yep. guys. Thank you, Mel. You're an absolute gem. Love you. Cannot wait to see this little baby that's coming very soon. Um, I know. Please send Mel all your positive vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And we'll see you guys uh, next okay. year. Yeah. Enjoy your summer and oh, slash winter. Slash winter you. <laughs> your festive season. Yeah, whatever you I do, have fun, enjoy, <laughs> celebrate this end of year that has been a wild ride for all of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Bye, Love guys. You guys. Bye. Bye.